Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am LJ LaFura. Alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam. We are a Valley of Sports podcast. We are what they aren't, and I am scraping by on my memory to figure out what the heck this intro is. But I think I got it right. Brandon, how you doing? LJ, doing good. First time recording since after the World Series. Um, and in person with LJ, first time we've recorded in person since the summer, since before I went to, to school. Um, since now. Since oh, now. That might be a little too far yeah, back. Yeah, a little too far back. Um, but it's nice to be back. We got a lot to talk about. It's been a crazy off season. The hot stove is back. No more slow off seasons. Um, we're going to be doing winners and losers on this podcast. Pretty simple. We're going to talk about the teams we think that have won the offseason so far, teams that have lost the offseason so far. Uh, pretty pretty straightforward. I will admit I've got a list here. I, I did rank all of them in winners-losers categories. In terms of winners and losers categories, I think I got a little too nice here. I think I have more winners than I do losers, but okay, that's okay. Um, we get by, but more so I think this is, you know, this has been a great offseason we have to start with. The hot stove is finally back. Finally. We've, we've been dealing with the lukewarm stove or the microwave for the last, like, We've been dealing with the years. freezer. Like, last year was the freezer. I mean, well, at least other, than, other than what the Rangers Texas. did. Yeah, other than Texas. Texas got things going, at least. Um, pre-lockout. Remember? Pre-lockout. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we had the pre-lockout rush last year, so it wasn't terrible. But I can't remember an offseason – well, I'll just go ahead and say it. I can't remember an offseason where the hot stove has been around, really. Because, I mean, you know, as much as we both remember early 2010s, that's not like we have our wealth of knowledge. Like, I would say both of us are true. Like, you know, we can remember everything, analyze everything, just get it all. Would probably come around like 2017. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say exactly 2017, like 2016, 2017. There's been nothing happening through this entire no. stretch. Like, and that even goes back to like you think about the big signings like Machado and Harper. That one off season, they waited like close to spring training. That's right. Like, yeah. Um, was it Arietta the one off season where he or no, not Arietta, uh, Dallas Keuchel. Remember, he like waited into that, the season. It was, like it was Keiko Kimbrell, twenty nineteen. Yep. They, they waited into the season, yeah, because no one wanted to give him the qualifying offer, offer picks. Basically, I mean, and we kind of saw the same thing with Michael Conforto last year, and then it turned out he was actually hurt and had to get surgery. But no one wanted to sign him, you know, heading into into this season. So um, there was a lot. There's actually a lot to talk about. A lot of different teams, a lot of different transactions. Um, and, you know, we'll be doing winners and losers, but there'll be a lot of just very general macro MLB talk uh, on this uh, show today. So uh, yeah, we also don't, I don't think, have a desired time limit. Time limit. Yeah, so no. We're just going to go until yeah. we get bored. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm, I'm We cool could do all that. 30 teams. We could do 10. Um, knowing us, it'll probably be eight because we'll talk to them. We'll, we'll start with the biggest names oh, yeah. this offseason and then eventually we can work our way down that's why i ranked top to bottom for me um, did you do all 30 i did all 30. bottom. okay well then we might as well just follow your list yeah so i'm gonna give my top my bottom starting with top you're not gonna believe me it's the new york yankees 
Okay. If I'm a New York Yankees fan, I don't know how I am not thrilled. Brandon, are you thrilled? Uh, enthralled by this offseason? So far, yes. Um, obviously, Aaron Judge, Anthony Rizzo, Carlos Rodon. Yeah. Look, the way I look at this is it started as a get shit done offseason where you, at minimum, just keep respectability because that was still a res- very respectable team. If they had not tried to lose August and think they could turn it on like a switch, which just doesn't work, nope. they probably could have made that World Series yeah. if they'd stayed hot and they stayed you know, right throughout the year. The injuries, so, too. Like injuries I don't want to blame yeah. injuries, but you but you remember what happened to our bullpen. Like, F. Ross went down, like, literally after the season was over. Carpenter was hurt, and then... He only got Carpenter was hurt right after he had that such such a hot start. Right. And he didn't even come back in the regular season. His first like plate appearances back were in the playoffs. So, like, you know, can't blame him. But you're right. You know, we had such a we we did look really strong heading um for most of the season through the first half. At least there was no doubt the Yankees were the best team. Yeah. They were the best team in baseball. Yeah. And so for me, I went into this thinking if you're the Yankees. You have to just get shit done. You have to get the two guys back. And then you you could theoretically just let your time sit, play what came to you. Maybe, you know. Because you got the, these prospects they, coming up. Well, more so the Yankees, what's the one thing they love to do? They love to play around with the reliever market. Yeah. And I thought that would be what they'd do, is they'd go in and they'd bring in like two more absolute studs and just make that group even deeper so they didn't have to worry about their starting rotation even more. They could just kind of go deep. So okay, um, we got back Tommy tight pants. Tommy tight pants came. Tommy, Tommy Canley, I forgot about that. Went to Colony, actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, um local guy. Yeah, but we got him Tommy back. Colony. Tommy Colony. Um he was good when he came back for the Dodgers last year. Like, yeah, he only great a little bit, but Again, he was he was good. He was one of many guys that really just popped off for the Dodgers that I wasn't expecting. But then the real bombshell blew, and that was Carlos Rodon. Mm. I don't think you know. I don't think enough people are talking about this deal. I don't think enough people are talking about this. Carlos Rodon is the legitimately a great pitcher. He is a one a lot of teams, and he sits sits in here to be the. He's really a one B, but like yeah. the two. And I've heard multiple people, including Pop Al, just one who's been saying it all this time. This was a team that had multiple twos back when they started, like the baby bombers yeah. started up. They didn't have that one. They waited way too long to get the one. And by the time they had the one, they ba- they barely had a three in that rest of that rotation. And it was a struggle. And I kept having to sit here, Brandon, no offense, but hearing you trying to justify the fact that you had enough big game pitchers in the rest of that rota- rotation especially with Garrett Cole not being Astros Garrett Cole still mm-hmm. for the Yankees. I, I, I struggled to sit through those, those rationales. But Carlos Rodon is a game changer. You need those first two guys. You need that opportunity to go up 2-0 in the series. And that's what those two guys give you. As far as I'm concerned, that that is probably the most game-changing signing of the entire offseason. Bringing Carlos Rodon in makes them a legit contender especially when you kept that leadership base with Judge and Rizzo, where it really, in my eyes, was do whatever you have to do to get both of those guys back. Yeah, and the big thing with Carlos Rodon is, you know, I just fell in love with this guy because 
him and Judge did the same thing. They bet on themselves, right? Rodon easily last offseason after he had that great year with the White Sox. He could have taken like a three-year deal for, I don't know, 60 million, 70 million, like a solid, like way more than he would ever had made previously for that. But he said, no, like this is not a one-year wonder here. Like I can prove that I'm, I can be good anywhere. I'll go to the National League. I'll face batters in the NL West that has some of the toughest hitting in the whole league. Uh, some of the toughest parks to pitch in as a pitcher, especially Coors. And when you're not pitching in Coors, you might be facing the Dodgers or the Padres who have... It's acting like Arizona is that nice place to pitch. Right. And like, and you got Arizona who actually, like, you know, they can hit the ball a little bit too sometimes. So, you know, he proved he could go out West and do that. And now it's like, all right, he got his money coming to New York. Um, the last time the Yankees signed like a left-handed pitcher that was this big in the offseason was CC Sabathia, and we won the World Series after that year. And that was after a big offseason getting, you know, AJ Burnett and um a few other guys that were uh key to that Yankees team, Nick Swisher. Uh, but I'm happy with what the Yankees did. I still think that there needs to be a couple more moves uh you know for the left side the whole left side of the field really shortstop third base and left field is still a big question mark like right now is is Oswald is Oswald Peraza your opening day starting shortstop is it IKF is it Anthony Volpe you know who who's starting there IDK if it's IKF <laughs> third base are, are we saw some pathetic at bats from Josh Donaldson in the playoffs? Is that who you want starting at third? I know the glove was fantastic for us, but you know you're paying him a lot. Thank God that contract's off the books this year. But is that who you want at third? You know how does Anthony Volpe fit in here? How does Oswaldo Cabrera and Oswald Peraza all fit into this? And then you also have to bring up the fact. DJ LeMahieu is still on this team. Like, so he's on this team. LJ, not only is he on this team, but he's coming off of a year where he had quite possibly the quietest three-war season in the history of the MLB. And right now, Fangraphs doesn't even have him in our starting lineup right now. So it's like, what do you do with the infield? There has to be a move made because you're hearing so much about Glaber and how he could have potentially gotten traded. I, I They're just... Seems like uh, Cashman, there, there's there has to be a movement. Well, here's my thing: all of the labor talk was about getting a starting pitcher. Mm -hmm. That's not needed anymore. Now, mind you, I also wanted to acknowledge: I'm not sure exactly. I haven't looked at their payroll situation, how high it is, like what they're looking at in terms of numbers. But we're at two seventy one right now. Okay, that's that's legit. That's yeah. legit money. Yeah. Um, that's cash money, baby. Yeah. But um. I just think, you know, you have to respect and commend the fact that the Yankees have finally done what the Yankees should have been doing all these years. They bit the bullet and actually went out and made the big play. They made that splashy move that they needed to, and they're not acting like – they're not gloating about it. They practically gloated about, oh, look, we got Garrett Cole, and then did nothing else and just rested on that and rode that train for, like, two years. Now they're finally, you know – putting their nose down, spending the money to go out there and win. And I respect that a ton. But what were we talking about past that? Oh, the infield. Infield, yes. The infield. You don't need that pitcher anymore. I don't think the Glaber – does Glaber move the market for 
Anything else? Where does he move the market? Yeah. Um, my honest opinion, and we'll talk about this probably later in the offseason or indefinitely next season, we are heading into a scary good third base market. Yeah. In my opinion, the Yankees would be best to put DJ in there as their starter or majority time starter and then let that market play out. Don't lock him in for the season. But, you know, if you have to wait till June, July to get the right guy, you know, maybe, who knows? Honestly, I could still definitely see a world where Toronto blows up. Like, not they the, so they're it, they're so deep, but at the they same, just seem like they're so all in. Like they like they've been all in. How much more years. all in can they go? They just they just got fleeced by Arizona for for a Dalton Varsho. I mean, they gave up. Like, yeah, I get you got Alejandro Kirk, but you gave up like a top like ten or whatever top catch. You had way too many catchers, and you just brought in a catcher. So no, I know, I know. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just, in my opinion, again, maybe Matt Chapman is movable. You know. I, the, it, they're not getting Devers, but um, you're, could, you're, you, no, could you imagine that though? You're just so in denial. It's, it's no, 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 they I, are I, not getting Devers. I like, I just like, no, nope. <laughs> understand what I'm saying. Devers, I would say at this rate, Devers will probably be not be a Red Sox on opening day, but he's not going to be a Yankee. I know, yeah, no, either. they're not making that trade. Wait, so you really think, time out, you really don't think. Devers is starting the year with the Red Sox? I At, at this rate, it, with the way the Red Sox are operating, it would be foolish to have him with the team to start the year because they're still miles apart on this contract. And you have proven that if you're going to let a guy go to free agency, he you're not going to... Devers also was the guy before Bogarts. Bogarts was kind of willing to talk mm. early in the season until they gave him such low ball offers that he said, I'm just going to go to free agency. Devers was the one who didn't want to talk after the season started last year. So he certainly won't want to do that this year either. So all of a sudden you're in a situation where you're going to let the same exact thing happen again if you don't move him then or don't move him in the, in the season. And why wait? You know, you're going to get a better offer the more time a team has with him. So yeah, I think if the Red Sox keep going this way, obviously the correct move would be to give him the money. Mm. But if you're not going to give them the money, you got to. That's where I sit. But still, there's so many good third basemen. I think you let that market play out if you're the Yankees because you have that depth and you have that versatility to get by until June, July. And well, and even if you have to stick out another year, because like DJ, he's locked up for for a few more years. I mean, he signed that six year deal heading into 20, the 2021 season. Um, Donaldson's off the books after this year, um, you know, and then. After that, it's like IKF's off the books this year. So maybe, unfortunately, we do have to suffer through another year of IKF and Donaldson. But you're right. The future is bright. Whether or not the Yankees want to keep going after more free agents, you know, I know Manny Machado is probably – he's probably going to opt out. I don't know what other third basemen there is that are um, free agents for for next year. The three big ones are Chapman, Machado, and uh, Devers. Okay. Um, and like so obviously, Otani's in that market too. Well, not for third base, but just in general. Market. Um, Hoskins, Hoskins is there. Corner infielders. Um, oh, Matt, Max Muncie also has he he has a club option that can get picked up for ten million dollars by the Dodgers, so they'll probably pick that up. Uh, yeah. well, can I move on? Yeah, to my bottom? 
but number biggest, 30 biggest loser it better be like the team that we just love to crap on all the time on this show no actually i have them in the next group i'm gonna group a bunch of teams together. okay we got biggest loser the san francisco giants what the hell happened here guys like actually what the hell happened all right wait but before anything i just want to say i initially with the correa stuff when i saw that he left and then went to go sign the Mets. I was like, I th- thought the Giants were super, super dumb. Now that seeing that the Mets also have a problem with Korea, I, f- I feel like the Giants are less dumb for that. But also at the same time, like, why couldn't they just negotiate with Korea like how the Mets are doing right now? Here's the, well, they didn't get the time, but <laughs> which doesn't make any sense anyway. I'm just so, oh, you mean like the Mets did, like yeah. jump back in? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Here's my thing. You know, I'll touch this now. And it's the same reason that it's, this, to be honest, it's the reason the Mets aren't number one. It's the re- this is the reason the Yankees are number one. How are all of them so dumb? How? I said this in our fantasy football group chat, and everybody tried to give these logical discussions, but they didn't really see the big picture here. How does this happen twice? Well, it's we the are, same thing. We are arguing. No, but Brandon, Brandon. We are arguing about qualms with an injury from 2014. An ankle injury that basically it's re- he's ba- practically reconstructed leg is basically what I've heard it described as a couple of times. From 2014, would that not have affected him? You know, maybe 15, 16, 17, where you'd, you'd have that red flag. And then two, you had all this time this offseason to look at it to vet this guy before you gave him an offer before you tried to hand him out this contract and then not only that but guess where this guy was last year he was on the free agent market you have had over two years to vet this guy as a potential candidate for your team and you failed to do this correctly you tried to give him a massive contract and then bought over a couple million dollars because of something you didn't like in the physical, this is stuff they should have known last offseason. I feel like this is something that should have been, you know, you should have at least been wary of it last offseason. You shouldn't have been willing to give him the full offer until you saw the medicals, if it's this bad. That should have been the way for the Giants. And then the Mets look even more ridiculous. And I'm assuming that the Mets are operating in good faith with this, that they didn't just do it to get him in the building and now we're going to talk him down. Because that would just that'd be gross misconduct from like ethically. If they heard, oh, the Giants are having trouble, maybe we should look into this first before we go and try to hand him this ridiculous deal. Maybe we should look into it first just to be safe and then try to jump jump the gun on them. It's just been so poorly handled from everyone at this point, including Correa, because you know you can handle all of this better. But the Giants in particular have managed to lose the judge race, lose the judge homecoming, which, you know, with most teams, if this was... Not according to John Heyman. Not according to, come on, Arson Judge to the Giants. Arson Judge appears headed to the Giants. And I fell to my knees in a Joseph, or not a Joseph A. Bank, some suit store in Syracuse that was with one of my friends as he was getting fitted for a wedding. And I got the tweet alert on my phone 
fell to my knees in the store, only to be duped by John Heyman, of all people, um, arson judge. Yeah, so look, I feel for you there. No, it's okay. It's okay now. It's okay. That was it's all, it's all that was now. very scary for a minute. But if this was, you know, let's say this is the Arizona offseason where they have some of those weird offseasons where Arizona has a ton of money to spend, like the Zach Granke year and stuff like that. It's yeah. like once in a blue moon, their 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 owner is like, oh wait, like we can spend money. Like right? wait, what no. like we're allowed to have like contracts like big contracts on the books oh madison bumgarner yeah like so much money the second epiphany wheel wheelbarrows of money to madison bumgarner the second epiphany essentially if it was arizona the yankees should go into that feeling confident because they're the yankees they can easily outspend arizona and have it not look bad this is the san francisco giants this is one of the biggest most storied franchises in baseball they're not the yankees but they're in that second tier. So you can't easily outspend them. It's an actual race, and Yankees fans should have been scared, especially with it being a homecoming potential. They lost that. There is shame in losing that when you're that close. So you lose that. You blow the Korea thing. And in the process of blowing the Korea thing, you piss off, and thankfully he's been a professional. They're incredibly lucky on that. I don't know how you aren't pissing off your franchise legend shortstop, your multiple World Series winning shortstop in Brandon Crawford, who you were going to shove to third base, and he was going to accept that for the good of the team. But there's no way he could be feeling good about that. They never do. Trust me, they never do. And so it's just, that was a whole, just absolutely ridiculousness. They lost this so much. Even, again, Michael Conforto, great. Ross Stripling, Mitch Hanniger. Good. (laughs) Yeah, cool. Fine. Like, I'm glad you're spending the money that you had. You're finding other ways to utilize it. But they were going after every big name. Like, they were in on everyone. They were so keen to get a huge guy. This is an abysmal loss for both the current team, like from a baseball standpoint and the franchise from a PR standpoint. <laughs> yes. This is the most epic failure you could have had this offseason. I feel for you Giants fans. Oh, and they got um they got Sean Manaya. That's right. Yeah. Um, oh well wow. LJ, not only were the Giants outbid by the Yankees, <laughs> they were also outbid by the Padres. The Padres offered more money than both teams to Aaron Judge. Which I don't know if we want to touch on San Diego. Um, we'll get there. Where? All right. So where are we at? So we've done number one. We've done number thirty. Do you um, want me to keep going on my list, or do you want to offer? No, up? you know, let's just keep going down your list. If right. if you ranked them, we can just we can go. However, my winner, next winner, number two, Texas Rangers. What's I texted someone um, after the Rangers made a couple moves this off season. Um, and I don't know if anyone knows the TikTok sound, but it's like the what's he building in there? Mm. What are the Rangers building? Because now, LJ, I look at their rotation and everything that we like, we gave them so much shit this season oh. about how bad the rotation was. And now all of a sudden, the guy that we were like shitting on because he was their ace is like their number five now, John Gray. Like he's the fifth best pitcher on their team. 
this to, is a, a remarkable. I, I don't understand how, like, they impressed me so much with this that it's like, I was shocked when I saw, like, wait a minute. There's, they signed three starting pitchers and Jake Odorizzi. Three starting pitchers, and they traded for Jake Odorizzi. It's one of those situations where, I guess the best way, Chris Young is like Dr. Rudy Wells from $6 million Man. He's just throwing all the money that he can into this team in the most efficient ways possible and just creating absolute brilliance. I mean, the way I looked at this, I put these notes together. This is probably my favorite rotation in baseball right now. Wow. Look at LJ out here. Well, maybe maybe it's not going to perform as the top one in numbers, but it's sure as hell going to be fun to watch. No? You just love Martin Perez and, and, and Evaldi, too, because, like, Evaldi's your guy. Well, Evaldi's great, and Evaldi's going to give you those innings. He's never going to be bad. I hope that he stays healthy the whole year because he, you know, he 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 didn't he hasn't you been know. that bad over the last couple of years. I think this year was was rough though. He didn't. I mean, how many innings we got here? Like a hundred nine. He only started twenty games. Every, every, everyone, um, everyone was hurt. Yeah, it was just it was just like the it was it was, it was the plague. It was the it was yes. the, it was the the injury plague. Um, the injury plague hit that team, but. The Down whole the pitching John staff. Ray is a tolerable pitcher to watch. If he's your five, I'm not. He had a sub four ERA and 24 starts. Like for as much shit as we gave him, like I mean, he really wasn't. He was that worth bad. that. He was close to worth that money, and it's not the end of the world. More, more so, you're looking at an offense that scored the 12 most runs in the league, and you now have super young, super young, super offense. young. Is it? It it can't no. It can't be a hot pick to say that this easily could be a top five rotation statistically in baseball. Yeah, and then we're... Because free. you've got the best pitcher in the, on the planet. You have one of the hot breakout guys of last year who, no matter what, always finds a way to, you know, give you 100% yeah. at least. You're not going to get... You might you might get cold stretches from Martin Perez. You're not going to get... He's not never going to be bad. I we were on like the bad. Martin Perez Cy Young like thing for 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 yeah. a few weeks there. Like we were, it was like in May, but we were like Martin Perez can win the Cy at Young. At this point, especially with how well he did last year, he's not going to give you above a four. Yeah, no, and he's going to have stretches where he's going to give you a sub two for like a, a month, five weeks at a time. That's just kind of the way he works, no matter what. That's going to be fun. Ivaldi is fun. Your boy Andrew Heaney. You love you some Andrew Heaney. You know it. I know it. My favorite Andrew Heaney thing ever, and you know it's true, is that him shutting out the Red Sox that in that one game in 2021, or like seven shutout innings, was even though we needed the win because the Yankees and Red Sox had the same record go, uh, entering the playoffs. Still, us winning that game was more detrimental to those next few stretches of games where we kept pitching Andrew Heaney and we're losing multiple games. So we won the one game against the Red Sox, which we needed, but then we proceeded to lose like the next, like however many he pitched. So it wasn't even worth it because we convinced ourselves, oh, wait, he's actually good. But people that were actually watching, they knew he wasn't good. But here's the We trick. just psyched ourselves out. And now the Dodgers somehow turned him into like a serviceable pitcher. I feel like with, with pitchers, it's so much of, do you know what to do with him? 
Yeah. You know how to use him. Every guy in the MLB than... has nasty stuff now. Yeah. Like everyone's stuff is crazy. It's just a matter of if the team knows how to use him and a little bit of luck sprinkled in there. And so... having good fielders parties. Yeah. Literally. Like that's so much of your ERA is making sure that you your players can actually get you outs. So again, the Dodgers figured it out. Based on again, look what Martin Perez did last year, look what John Gray did last year. I would like to think the Rangers have know what they're doing. And so that's either way, you're talking about a high risk or a low risk, fairly high reward at 310 over 72 innings. Um, number five. And Jake, Jake Odorizzi waiting in the wings. Yeah. And you, who else is waiting in the wings, LJ? Jack Leiter. ETA 2023. He will be a part of this, of this roster. He's 22 years Mark old. Mark my words, this man's going to be a May call up in that bullpen. I mean, 60 grade fastball, 55 grade slider, 55 grade curveball, future 55 grade changeup. He's he's filthy. Uh, yeah, the, yeah we're in is- where Rangers are cooking here, and you know what? Why not? Because when year after year the Astros are the only team that want to improve in the AL West, and now Seattle. And Texas were like, well, if the Angels are just going to be the Angels, like that's just like free for us. And oh, I mean, who, who? I mean, Oakland is further. This is actually, you know, this makes the Angels more of losers. So this is so bad for them because, because now teams are literally getting pitchers when that's all they needed for like. Well, there, Texas has managed to be both aggressive and efficient at the same time with this whole rebuild which is barely a rebuild because it's an outside reload is what they've done. They had one really bad year, and then this year was was pretty rough, but they got things are looking better. As far as I see it, no. For a 60, I, I don't think I've ever talked up a 68-win team like more than I am right now, but you got Jacob DeGrom, LJ. They don't have – well, here's my other thing. They don't have anyone really on this team other than, like, you know, if Josh Young pans out, that's – from in, internal yeah but more so they found the guys before they had value and they built it up as far as i'm concerned let's just theoretically call adolis garcia and nate low or nate low excuse me let's call them homegrown guys they found those two guys two years ago and said okay we have a base from this team now let's go buy the rest and then they went out they sure. got simeon and seager which were great pickups. This offense was solid last year with this value group and Simeon and Seeker. And guess what? There is no way, in my mind, there's no way that Marcus Simeon could be as bad next year as he was this year. And he was still he pretty ended up, good. He ended up being pretty good. He was still pretty. He had 26 homers and 25 stolen bases. There's no way he'll have a three-month stretch like he did last no. year ever again. So I mean, I hope. All of a sudden, well, if he does, that's the end of his career. Like he's done. He's not. Not that he's <laughs> sorry, but it's like your career is over. No, you, you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Like he's like thirty-seven and about yeah. to retire. Um, but at this stage in his career, at thirty-two years old, he's not going to have that. He's going to be. He's going to be good probably the whole year, and that's going to make this team better. Everyone else is a year older. All of a sudden, you're looking at this team and just saying, "We just need." A bullpen. Like, and easier said than done. We've seen the Phillies mired in obscurity for years just because they couldn't find a closer. But 
I don't hate where this team is. This is a wild card contending team, and they've done it by going entirely, out, almost entirely outside for all their stars. Meanwhile, the Angels, and I'm counting Otani in that group of people who were in, internal, mm-hmm. basically because you got him at such value for what he was giving you, bringing him over from Japan. That's basically like bringing somebody up from your minors. And so you've got the Angels who have two full-blown superstars, top 10 players in the end, in the league, top, top five three. players in the league. Top, uh, top five, yeah, whatever. Top five players in the league. You have two of them that you have internal. You didn't have to go spend for them like Texas did. And yet Texas hasn't been able to do in two years what you haven't been able to do in the last week. But LJ, but they got but the but the Angels got Hunter Renfro and Brandon Drury. Aren't you excited for them? All right. This is also an unpopular take because I did put them in they don't have a they're, terrible they're losers. They're losers. They don't have a terrible rotation though. Like they, I don't mind this rotation. is not terrible, but more so it could I feel be better. Like they strengthened that lineup pretty well. I'm happy with Gio, Renfro, and uh, Brandon Drury. But the unpopular opinion, I'm not sold on Brandon Drury. Yeah, I'm I mean, not a Brandon Drury guy, and especially at two years, seventeen million. Dude, I remember when he was on the Yankees, and he like he, he was twenty. He started the 2018 season with the Yankees. Um, I liked him because he was on Arizona. I knew he could play a bunch of different spots in the field. was a, was a bit of a contact hitter, and then he was battling this like thing with his eye. He was seeing like double vision, which is really dangerous. Of course, was having migraines. Didn't even didn't play like for most of the year. End up DFAing him. All of a sudden, he ends up with Cincinnati, and he 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 can't stop hitting home runs this year. Um, yeah. and then goes to San Diego. Now got yeah, himself if seventeen. Able to put up an eight hundred OPS with twenty five plus home runs again. I will eat my words because he's definitely worth eight and a half million. On yeah. Oh yeah. Especially with but the, he he didn't do anything before. Yeah. It's just a big risk, especially on a two-year deal. So I'm not fully sold on that move, but the rest of them, it's fine. It's just not good enough. Like, it's you've got the Mariners and you've got the Rangers who are now legitimate wild card contenders. AL West is low-key good now. AL, AL West, West is kind of good. You got the World Series champions, the Mariners, who are definitely on the come up with the moves they made this offseason, you know, going out and getting Tay Oscar and Colton Wong. Um, I feel like the West is more likely to get three teams into the playoffs this year than the East. Yes. I, I'm it's just overall, I feel like it's a little bit stronger this year. I don't know what Tampa's doing because Tampa offensively is really bad still. And they're just like, well, let's, yeah, let's jump to Tampa. Yeah, well, why not? I don't know where you have them on the list. I had them in the losers. I did not have, I don't have this numbered. So they aren't, it's not a very strong loser or what? It's, I'm just worried. It's a worried loser. The thing is, because like, you basically had this max S exodus of relievers. You've traded just about everyone good from that bullpen. And I know I'm not scared. I, I shouldn't be scared. I feel like I shouldn't be scared because, you know, Oh, we don't need JP Fireisen. We don't need Brooks Raley. We don't need. Um, I mean, they still have Jason Adam and Pete Fairbanks, who were like their two guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, you have so many guys. You let G Man Choi go uh, in that trade with the Pirates. Um, this offense is terrible. Other than Randy 
Yandy and Wander. I I don't see anything I like. Brandon Lau was terrible this year when Again, he was playing. Yeah, hope that he's going to take another step, take a step back. Wander when he gets healthy, all of a sudden, yeah, we've got a MVP candidate. I need to see more out of. Lineup. I just got to see more out of some of these guys. I mean, like I thought, Isak Paredes. I mean, twenty homers, three of them were against the Yankees in that one game. He's a good hitter. You let but... Kiermaier go too. Yeah, you let um... Zunino go. That's two of your best defensive players right there. But you already know they're not going to spend. But when they but they did spend on like um, Zach Eflin. That's the other yeah. thing here. I that was so confused. That makes no that sense. One of my favorite it, moves to talk about here. Not one of my favorite moves, but one I was so looking forward to talking about. Just, just like what? Because what are they doing? I am fascinated to figure out what do we not know, because we've gotten to a point with the Rays. Where we basically don't question yeah. the moves that they make. Like, we're not going to sit here and say, oh, that was a terrible move. We'll say, okay, we'll hear them out. Because they've found a way to impress us every single time. I just, I don't understand the guy that, who the Phillies were like, you know what? You're not even good enough as a starter, so we're going to put you in the bullpen. Um and now the Rays, who don't pay anybody, are like, yeah, you know, 13.3 mil AAV for three years. Like, yeah, yeah, why not? Let's do it. You like, know my honest approximation of Zach Eflin? I'm scared now. Like, he's going he's gonna to be insane. He is a better version of Ryan Yarborough, who they let walk this year. And Ryan Yarbrough, they liked because he had Yarbrough. a bad year. He had a he had a rough year, Yarbrough. And I think generally talent wise, he's better all around. And that's you know that's a skill set they like. I get it. Two but they shouldn't like row. it at that contract value. So there has to be something more because right now he's performing better, like a better Ryan Yarbrough. They must think there's another level to that. What's the next level for you know guys who I think are. Would you say he's top 10 ground ball pitcher? Like, true ground, ground ball pitcher? Eflin? No, or... Yar, Yarbrough? I was talking about Yar, Yarbrough a couple of years. Like, Yarbrough two years ago. Yeah, like, pitch to contact, like, definitely. Um, And that's what Eflin is, actually. He, like, yeah. average exit velocity, he's in the 96th percentile. You're not hitting the ball hard. Yarbrough's the 97th. What it, what it hard hit, he's the 94th as well. Um, So what you're looking at here is... The difference is, you know, he's going to, he strikes guys out a little bit more. He walks guys a little bit less. Um, yeah. Batted those... ball profile, most similar to 2018 Ryan Yarbrough. So, okay. You, you, you like nailed it on the yeah. head. Yeah. Like, you don't see a lot of those guys be truly, truly successful. Like, those are your type of guy who's going to be a solid three on your roster. Mm -hmm. But these days, he's not your one. He's not your two. You're giving him one or two money for relative to Tampa. Yeah, they're like, why, money. why are the Rays paying that for a three? They have to know more than we do about this guy's makeup, about this guy's mechanics and his pitch repertoire. I have a feeling we might see the scariest ground ball season we've ever seen out of Mr. Zach Eflin. Not ever seen, but like in this era, like in an era where it's not something that people look for i'm gonna post a much. clip on tiktok of you saying that of you oh, saying yeah, this could be the scariest in the lap let me turn on right the tiktok here. camera let me restate right here this could be 
the most successful pure ground ball pitcher season we've had in the last 15 years. By Zach Eflin. By Zach Eflin. Okay. It could happen because they're going to figure out how to use this guy who's already better than a guy that they've felt comfortable with as their three phrases. But where were we? Oh, we going to the bottom? Yeah, let's do a, um, let's do a bottom. I'm going to – actually, can I do five bottoms? Sounds good with me. The Reds, Nationals, Rockies, Tigers, and Pirates have done absolutely nothing. Oakland is not on that list. No. Does Oakland, like Oakland have their own special place here? They do. Because what they've done is, right, is so miserable. I've got one – or 30, 29, 28, 27, 26, 25 – Oakland's 24. Okay. So stay with me. All right. So let's so let's start with some of these. Reds teams. Nationals. I could not find a single, I couldn't find a bad deal. I couldn't find a good deal. I couldn't find a single thing in their transaction history that I cared about. Did you go through every team's transaction yeah. history? Okay. I couldn't find a thing worth noting. Let's see the Reds. The Reds and the Nationals. Just nothing I cared about. Well, the Reds got Will Myers. You don't care about that? Trust me, I don't care about that. It, it, and, it's fine. Again, it's fine, but oh my find God, something the, that moves the needle. The, this Reds rotation, LJ, go look at projected Reds rotations. That is cool. <laughs> Bunch of flamethrowers here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And if any, any rotation with Luis Sessa in it is perfect. So, wait, who else was in this? You had Reds. Nationals, yeah, Pirates, Reds and Nationals, nothing happened. Nothing happened. Of consequence. The Rockies lost, I believe, both in trades. Connor Joe and Garrett Hampson, who were both really good bench players for them last year. This is like it a, makes absolutely no sense to me. They didn't really get much out of it. How many off seasons, like in a row, are we going to do the thing? Other than last year, where they got Chris Bryant. How many off seasons are we going to do the thing where it's like, oh, the Rockies are the only team that you know haven't signed a major league player but you know they did get pierce johnson it looks like and brent Suter. so um and then tiger the is jake bird <laughs> i i feel like 47 innings, innings jake bird oh boy um but with the tigers i feel like the strength and the what put them ahead of the net the nats and reds as well, and that's right, then Rockies. But honestly, the fact that they lost so many hitters. I'm disappointed in the Tigers because this was a team that we've like low key been hyping up like for a while. Spend, like they're going to spend, yeah, they can, like they're like a step away. And they're still a step away because that rotation is still so young and so good. Well, you know, I was really sad to see that they they couldn't let a Matthew Boyd go away for 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 too long. No. Of course, they have to re-sign him, and I was like, uh, like okay, like it was one year away. Like I get it. Like you're you're massive. you're you're obsessed with this with the most mid pitcher ever. That's fine. Speaking Lorenzen is wait, speaking is, of uh, of cutting the umbilical cord. Can we talk about the Cubs letting Kyle Gibson walk? Yeah, that was big. That was that's big stuff. Yeah, it's a big step for them. But with the Tigers, Kyle Hendricks, not Kyle Gibson. Yes. Kyle Hendricks did not walk, LJ. Where the hell? You're thinking maybe Hayward, I mean, Jason Hayward, Drew Smiley. I think I just misread You missed Anyway. Okay. 
we're gonna, I was gonna we're say gonna, yeah we're gonna stop before i call him Jimi hendrix by accident so <laughs> okay well look stop saying jason and all these jays we were on the tigers, tigers the strength of this offseason for them the reason they're above all those other teams is because they let the majority of their lineup block that group was so bad that i think they're honestly better off without some of these guys lj i I'd rather have triple a players and hope that something works I hate to say it. I think I'm gonna. I'm selling all my Tiger stock in the future. What you don't? You don't think that? No, I bought Heimer, a Condelario, Harold Castro, Willie Castro, Victor Reyes doesn't make them. I no. The I just what what's what's the move here? Like what OCP are we doing? Legend Tucker Barnhart. What are we? What are we doing? Because Riley Green this supposed like insane prospect with you know really highly graded power hit five homers and 418 plate appearances and i get he's 22 but i'm sorry we're not gonna also mention spencer if you're gonna torkelson. do this let's, let's, let's acknowledge spencer torkelson. spencer torkelson mr light tower power yeah like mr number one overall pick in 2020 Eight home runs and 400 plate appearances with a dismal 285 on base percentage. And again, it's not too late for these guys. No, they're young, but I got to see more. This lineup is awful. Um, Jonathan Scope is one of the worst hitters in the league, but the best defender. Javier Baez, um, that is you're just burning money with that contract. I mean, I thought that the that Spencer Torkelson's 285 on base percentage was bad. I mean, Javi's at a 278. That's what you expect for him. So it's just brutal. This just team Casey Mize and Therese Scubal gotta come back. At like, least Eduardo Rodriguez returned to the team eventually. Dude, this is yeah, it's but right. again, Casey Mize. Kirk Skubal are back. Spencer Turnbull returns after a year and a half. The love sponge. The love sponge. All right. Um, so I just, you know, yeah. again, that's that part of the group is still so strong. They can't be, they're not that far off. But yeah, Tigers got better by dumping a bunch of players. And then Rich Hill, what the hell are you doing with the Pittsburgh Pirates? Carlos Santana, what are you doing with the Pittsburgh Pirates? Yeah, but Austin the, Hedges, what do, what are you doing? That's okay for those guys because they're still like Connor the Jeff. depth of their career. Pirates made a lot of moves, they LJ. A lot of moves. <laughs> Pirates made a lot of moves. Not so many good players, <laughs> no. but they made moves. They're but trying Rich to, you Hill, know. This is the same Rich Hill who heavily implied he would not be returning to Boston because he wanted to didn't want to retire, but he wanted to spend more time with his family. This is the same guy who was talking about his original plan for the year, like in like July, his plan for next year was to kind of pull a Dallas Keuchel, but intentionally, not holding out for more money, taking basically a half season off and just working out, and then hopefully trying to get onto a contender at the end of the year. Well, that's Which, he, he, with, he still could be trying to do that. I no. mean, why would the – so because he's just going to play for one year with the Pirates? No, they're going to trade him. Well, they're going to trade him, but here's the thing. The beauty of that was, first off, somebody will take a flyer on Rich Hill, especially if he's still. He's going somewhere. He's not. He but he's not he spending would, the whole year with the Pirates. But if he hadn't gotten the team yet, 
he would have been signed in June or July. Oh, yeah. He could have just like, picked instead exactly. of like, <laughs> yeah, that was what he was floating around doing. Instead of doing that, because the whole beauty of that is you get to pick which contender you go to, you get to still play baseball, but you get to spend three months with your family. Or it's, longer. <laughs> or longer. <laughs> instead, he will be spending potentially an entire year in Pittsburgh, which I only let my road to the show player go through that misery for three seasons well three and if and he's bad i guess like i mean he might not even be able to get traded he's not bad though is the thing well you know lj i do understand signing because if he would have waited no one would have gave him eight million dollars i know but like i can't believe he did it i can't believe pittsburgh gave him eight million dollars at this point no it doesn't with hurt his, with his performance he's absolutely worth eight million dollars i give him that in a second but not not when you're signing him in June. You're not gonna get not, him. Not, no, 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 not in June. But if you're the Pirates, I don't. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. For a guy who pitched better than a four two seven, in my opinion, again, his FIP three nine two. Yeah, and that's with not coming back as strong after some injuries, which the same thing you can say for Michael Walker. Who else was in this this grouping of teams here that we had? Oh, that was it. All right. Pirates were the top. Pirates were the, the bottom. Um, Pirates were the top of the bottom. All right. Can we just do another loser and just get Oakland out of the way? Yeah. Oakland stays above this group because they at least got a bag for Sean Murphy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the Braves doing. Uh, they can't keep getting away with this, LJ. What Atlanta's doing with the contract is ridiculous. Is Alex Anthopoulos like. What. Is 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 he tying these players up? Is he holding the agents at gunpoint? Like, what is going on? I mean, it, it, it's one of these contracts. One of the players is gonna is gonna ask for for more. It's gonna ask for a renegotiation, right? <laughs> like, there's no way that they all are just fine with getting just pe- up pennies on the dollar. I mean, they haven't yet. Is really the justification I have for you. Also, what if plenty of time to? What if like three of these guys, like in a couple years, because like they just decide not contrary, to no, contrary to popular belief, not every player that you sign is going to be good every single season. At some point, the players have to get bad. I know it with Atlanta, it doesn't really happen. And, and like they just kept pulling good players from their minor leagues this year. But LJ, at some point, like one of these contracts is going to be bad, right? Or more than one. Well, they may be bad for a season, but they're giving it to guys who are legit. And either way, if we're looking at this... I just don't understand. I like how this... Look at it this way. Ronald Acuna could be bad. Yeah. Could he be 12 and a half million bad? <laughs> I, I can't see it. Yeah. I can't see a world where you can't justify at this point because of his success because of what we know some of these guys are capable of, how you can't justify the money you're getting <laughs> is kind of where I'm at with yeah. this. With that being said, my top loser, the Atlanta Braves. My top loser of the offseason. Okay. Um... You miss out on – you don't bring back Kenley Jansen, which is, again, that's fine because you have Iglesias, but this team would be better with him. I think that that's a spot you definitely, you know, you missed out. And then my big thing is 
this team was better before the offseason than they are now. That's where I ultimately came up, came to the decision. Even with Sean Murphy. Even with Sean Murphy. And my justification for that is this. First off. Oh, because they lost they, Dan's beat. They yeah. need to get Marcelo Zuna out of this team. He's just not good anymore. And in the theoretical world where they were able to trot out. I'd assume that right now, like, I know. If if they were able to trot out. Darno at DH. Like, if they were able to trot out. Darno at pitcher and Contreras as the DH right now. With um honestly with Juan Gerson in the left field, that is the best possible lineup. Because basically at this point, I see the Sean Murphy trade as them just trying to go get something to pre- to replace Dansby's production, going to get another star because they didn't get Dansby. But in reality. I would have much rather just pay the money that you had to get to keep Dansby, keep him at shortstop, be able to put Grissom in left field, and then keep your catcher tandem together that worked out so well last year. Because long-term, I would have to assume that he's already just at least a fine catcher, uh, William Contreras. Obviously way better hitter than he is defensively. But by the time you're ready to let go of Darno, he's probably going to be good enough yeah. to catch. And so at the end of the day, this lineup would have been better if they'd invested that money in Dansby Swanson instead of going out and gotten Sean, Sean Murphy. And that's without even thinking about the prospects they gave up to get Sean Murphy. I'm just talking about with the players on the major league roster. It's insane that like, oh, why didn't Oakland just, why didn't they just combine both of these trades last offseason? They ever think about that? Well, then. I mean, I don't know. I like, no, it's, it's a dumb, of, it's, 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 sh- it's dumb. Shopping, shipping both out would be so bad, even for a team that doesn't care about right. optics. It, it team, I mean, yeah, you're right. They don't care about optics because they have traded. They have oh Syracuse touchdown nice we got the pinstripe ball on in the background um LJ the the optics behind Oakland all right oh no let's play a little trivia time name a player with a guaranteed salary for the Oakland Athletics right now there is five is Elvis Andrews still there Elvis Andrews is not an answer (laughs) and one of the guys who I think you're gonna say. Um, is not actually a guaranteed salary. He's he's eligible for arbitration. So, well, okay. Can you name one of the three players eligible for arbitration, or one of the five that have a guaranteed salary for Oakland? One of them, I'll no, be I, pretty disappointed if you don't get because it's our guy. I need to figure out the guaranteed contract. I'm not doing it. I'm there's there's doing five it. of them. There's five? There's five guys with guaranteed contracts. I, I feel like it could be very... It, it might be hard to get one, in all honesty. I would not have gotten Brandon, one. Here's the thing. I think you could have gone with an easy... Like, I said you shouldn't give me an easier question. That didn't mean I need an easier question. I needed a question easier than the easy question you gave me. <laughs> I think you're sufficiently challenging me with name a player on the Oakland A's roster. No. LJ, come Look, on. It's our guy. Come on. We there was a player that we were 
heavy on um if i say why oh is is raymond he's eligible for arbitration oh, he's, not on... he's not no but not, it's not him it's a pitcher you were especially, I remember, during oh, Player of the Week. What's his name, Elka? You, Paul Blackburn, is eligible for arbitration. <laughs> Seth Brown. Now, now my ball's rolling. Who'd you say? Seth Brown. Not eligible yet for arbitration. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ready? I'm just going to, so this isn't painful. Wait. No, he wouldn't be eligible for arbitration either. Why? Who are you thinking? I was thinking of um, the center fielder from Atlanta. Oh, um, yeah. What's his name? Uh, yeah. The, the defensive special, Pache. Yes. Yeah, no, he's not. Okay. The five players, we guaranteed salaries. Right, I'm going to look it up. The most expensive, Aledmiz Diaz, two years, 14 and a half million. Trevor May. One year, seven million. Jace Peterson, two years, nine and a half million. Manny Pena, two years, eight million. And Drew Rasinski, one year, three million. For a total payroll of fifty-four million, that is. Um, that is seven times less than the New York Mets. So the New York Mets payroll is seven times the amount of Oakland. Nice. Do you believe in Michael? LJ, where are we next? We, we were on Atlanta, Atlanta. And then we did we Oakland. 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 We okay. We went to a Let's do a winner. Let's do a winner. Mets are my third winner. We've only had three winners and we don't have eight losers because we're all right, let's talk about a few specific players here. Or you know what? Here's what we'll do. LJ, let's spend a minute or just your thoughts on Steve Cohen going on the biggest spending spree in the history of professional sports in the United States. Because Paris Saint Germain takes that crown. Let's soccer, start with the fact City. that they would have spent a lot of this money anyways because everyone was expecting them to bring back to ground. So it's not act like they went out and got or just started pouring new people in. A lot of this money was redistributed from whatever they were originally planning to give Jacob to ground. Like I would I would have to guess the majority of this group, the majority of Kodai Senga, um Verlander, Roberts, Verlander. David Robertson, all those guys. Quintana. Yeah. We're all DeGraw money. Mm. Where I think he went above and beyond was the Carlos Correa. What about like Nimmo, though? I mean, you had to that spend 160 yeah, but, mil to get Nimmo. Yeah, but that was definitely already planned in. Like, yeah. Did you, you really, think that did they you were... really think they were letting Nimmo walk in your heart of hearts? I, didn't, I mean, I, I thought that they were going to have to let two of the guys walk. And I mean, I guess if, Chris Bassett, yeah, he walked, but um, dude, like the, this is insane what they've done. I mean, I I just can't. No, I I don't care either. I think it's amazing that an owner's willing to spend this much in like for for nothing. And like, here's potentially, I don't think with a fraud manager like too. Like I don't think the Yankees necessarily understood this when they were doing it, 
back in like the late when they started to do it in the late 90s and really started doing it because there was no luxury tax they didn't give a shit but they were like oh i don't think they realized it at the time they were trying to buy world series i think what teams are starting to realize you can't buy world series but you can get something that's just as valuable at least to you you can buy winning seasons you can buy fun teams and you can buy people in the seats yeah let me ask you this riddle me this brandon why on earth is san diego a top five attendance city because they have and no other say major sport no but why that is wrong but why because there's so many people in san diego with nowhere to, to with no team but to why, support but why does that make it any, any different brandon in this with all the respect to the mls the MLS is not yet on the same level as the Big Four. But guess what? This little neat tip, this little trick about the Big Four. The vast majority of their seasons do not overlap with the baseball season. Baseball in every market, practically. I mean, yeah, during the summer. In just about think. every market, except... Actually, I would go ahead and say SoCal's, SoCal and Texas are like the one exception. Like the areas that are getting big on soccer are the only places where there is anything comparable taking people away. Everywhere is on even footing in terms of being the only game in town for the vast majority of the season. And even when they aren't, the NFL is once a week. And I know you're, it's where you, where you decide to invest your money. But either way, there's a lot of people, especially loyal fans. If you're a big sports fan, you're probably going to choose if your team is in the hunt. You're going to choose a September baseball game over an early season football game if you have the option. Like when the when the games are on, you're conflicting with each other. Mm. They mean more in baseball. So I don't see being the only game in town as anything that makes a difference. What I see that makes a difference is that they bring in splashy moves and they bring in fun teams and they bring in winning seasons and that's getting the people excited. I think more teams are going to start bringing, especially if they have ownership who can afford it, especially if they've got ownership, the teams that have ownership that truly enjoy baseball, but like, you know, also are here for the business are going to realize that they're probably going to make more money with a higher payroll, even if they have to pay into that luxury tax. Mm -hmm. And so it's going to turn into, if you build it, they will come baseball rather than money siphoning, or it's going to be both poles is basically where we're going to get to with these seasons. And I absolutely love it because we're getting more excitement as a fans, even across the country, we're getting more excitement from that. That I think is what the Mets have realized here. Not only does, Steve Cohen want enjoyable seasons because he, he just wants to have a good time. But you also have a situation where this ridiculous, this gross amount of money, he's paying like half a million dollars when, it, when you add in luxury tax. It's crazy. But he's not really paying half a billion dollars. He's not really paying $200 million extra than teams in the past would have. He is maybe, maybe at most, I'll just throw this number out. He's maybe paying 40, 50 million extra 
Is that fair to say? If we're saying you're, so you're basing this on the fact you think that spending more will lead to increased revenue for in the team significantly. Now, I now the thing with like the Yankees, who so they make the most revenue out of any team. Well, actually, fun fact: a large part is due to just the Yankee hat. All the trademarking surrounding the Yankee hat makes the team so so much money. But like, if the Yankees did this. Something like this, like let's say the Yankees also got Correa this offseason and who, whoever else adding, just adding another Diaz or whatever. Sure. Like let's say that we did that because that's kind of realistic to what the Mets did or Verlander, Verlander. Let's just say we got Verlander, Rodon, and Correa yeah. and Judge back, you know, big, big, big offseason. Would the Yankees' revenue increase that much? They are, the, I, I feel like, I don't know, this is going to sound like my argument's flimsy. But I feel like the Yankees are the exception to that rule. Just because like their revenue is always going to be number one regardless. They've reached a peak where, especially being in the Bronx, you can't yeah. sell more tickets. You're in the biggest city in the world. You're like. in the biggest city in the world, but more so, you're in the tightest quarters of just about any team. Yeah. Like, the Red Sox, if they had felt like it, could still probably expand Fenway further. Like oh yeah, those those, those buy up like all the all the property. Oh yeah, F1. they already own everything over over there. They so that was like, they already was ruined like, like three neighborhoods over there. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but like where Yankee Stadium is, you look at it. it it's built tall for a reason because they were already landlocked. It's, it's and in a city. It's in a city block. They have <laughs> nowhere to go. And so it's in one of those grids that you see on the satellites. Yeah. Like one of the grids is just for Yankee Stadium. And there's like it's the, there's no way for the Yankees to increase their revenue earning opportunities. And so there's no reason for them to increase their spending opportunities. They just need to put a competitive team that they think can win the World Series, but there's no reason for them to go insane. Because then at some point they're just losing money yeah. at that point. Yeah. If they if they increase from what they're doing too much, they're losing money. That's where they're at as a fr- franchise. I don't think there's a single franchise of the franchise in baseball that you can say the same thing. And what I think is interesting, and when we when you get into like all the financial stuff, and it's like, oh, you know, you see people complaining, why doesn't my team spend more or whatever? And it's like, well, because obviously you can only, well, yeah, you're like you can only spend what you make with your revenue, and it's like you realize the more your team spends now. Yeah, your owner might be filthy rich like Steve Cohen and they can dish it out. But like at some point, there is a limit where it's like for that person's personal wealth or for whatever, it's like, you know, I, you, the the team will suffer at some point because if the owner is losing money, then they can't invest more, more into the team. And that's because they invested so much. And we were team. talking about this last week, the two mm, of us. Yeah. And the perfect case study for that is the Miami Marlins. Yeah. Their owner poured so much money into that roster trying to make them contenders and almost did it and then ran out of money quickly. He tried to do, and I think he single-handedly set back the if you build it, they will come method at least five years for one reason and one reason only. Miami could care less about the Marlins. When we talked to our friend from the Marlins last season, yeah, he said, when you walk out of that building, 
no one talks about my the Miami again. You go to the gas station next to the next to the uh, stadium, you're not going to hear a peep about the Marlins. People, a couple of people go, they get mediocre attendance. Those people cheer while they're there. They walk away and don't think about the team again. And so you're in a market that doesn't really care about baseball. You're not going to be able to do that. You're not going to be able to be successful. The reason. Yeah, 2017 is when they spent 115 million on, which is huge for them. That was a increase of like 40 million dollars in one offseason. That's again, that would be fine if the increase in revenue also came with it. Mm-hmm. If the seats, if the jersey sales, if the shirts, if the hats they were good. <laughs> you don't even have to be good. You don't have to make the playoffs. The Padres proved that two years ago. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to be that good. You just have to be exciting. You have to get the fan base excited about it. And then all of a sudden you've recouped your investment. But because they were never able to get the fan base interested, they never recouped the investment and ran out of money like that. That's the way I see it at least. Yeah. But do we want to talk a few more teams and wrap it up? Yeah. Who haven't we gotten to that you want to? Or if you talk, do you want me to just do rapid fire and then we'll get into a couple? Yeah. I mean, you just start listing off some teams. You tell me if you have anything interesting and we'll go from there. The Dodgers, why do they consistently find a way to just like come out okay? Come out smelling like roses. You they go got out, Kershaw you got, back. You get Kershaw back. You get no Syndergaard. You get JP Fireisen in that trade and you replace Joey Gallo with JD Martinez. That's a massive upgrade right there. Yeah, and uh, we can't forget about all the prospects that they got coming. Michael Bush, who's an infielder, um, a bunch of guys that they have that could be uh, making an impact, and we know how good they are analytically. But LJ, am I like I am? I like the top six of the Dodgers lineup for sure: Betts, Freeman, Will Smith, Max Monty, J.D. Martinez, Gavin Lux. Past that, I get a little nervous. I see Trace Thompson. He had a really good season last year, and it was only 255 plate appearances. Okay. Chris Taylor, he's good. You know, uh, I I think that his 2021 was an outlier, but I still like what he's doing. Then you got, like, James Outman, who, when he was up, was really good. And he's – Getting hits. Yeah. He wasn't an out, man. No. Well – I just don't like the depth on this team. Like right now, your your bench guys, like LJ. What if a few of these hitters hit the hit the IL? I mean, it's gonna be well, a, a rough lineup that you're rolling out there. And I like the pitching and everything. And everyone knows, you know, Walker Bubbler, Walker Bubbler, Bubbler. Um, who who knows if I don't know if he'll be back. Oh, also they they gotta they they have to make up their mind on Trevor Bauer. On yeah. whether or not they're going to cut him or not, which I'm assuming they, that they are. I don't. He got a sentence reduced. So was a, so it got reduced to 194 games, but the 162 that just happened, those count, right? Yeah. So it's only 32 games this yeah. year, and then he's good. Yeah. Oh wait, playoff games count too. So whatever the how many I thought, games they play I in the playoffs? I, said, I cannot confirm that he plays the start of the season. I don't remember if that's 100 percent true or not, but. Either yeah. way, you know, you are talking about again. Oh, because they might have made the games retroactive for all the time he missed in 2021, like the end of that season, maybe. I don't You've know. got Michael Bush. The idea of Michael Bush coming up is fine. But again, let's remind ourselves that 
World Series aren't won in April and May. Nope. The goal of April and May is to tread water, stay in that hunt. Reasonably, this team is still plenty good enough. This is an 111-win team, even if, you know, you lost. You lost quite a bit this year, but you still feel comfortable. They're saving money for next offseason. They're saving money if they can get Jose Otani. (laughs) Jose Otani, yeah. Um, We're really turning back the references to, like, early 20s. Early, early. Um, But anyway, you're saving money, but more so – we still feel comfortable about this team. There was a 22? Yeah. 22 game gap between the Dodgers and the Padres in the regular season. <laughs> Xander Bogarts is great. He's not a 22 win player. He's but not, the he's subtraction. Not 11, he's not even an 11 win player. But the subtractions of Trey Turner and Bellinger and Gallo and Kimbrell and Heaney and it Chris com- Martin. It comes close. Justin like Turner. It comes close, but my point Tyler is Anderson. If you if you go with if you just go with this strategy and you just play this team out, you can't tell me they're not going to be in that division hunt come June, July. They're no, still yeah. going to be well within it. And so that's where they can strike. You know, this is about building this roster over the season, adding that depth throughout the year. Realistically, you have a core of six that's really, really good. If you have that core, you can ride with that core, and that core is going to keep you in place until you build out the rest of that lineup. And then you're going to be able to strike. So that's why I'm not worried, because they have so much time to fix this. And all you need is a couple bit two big boppers and some guys. Couple move, boppers, yeah. And, and guys to move move around. Can I ask you about one team? Just yes. I don't know where you have them ranked, but I just wanted to well, talk so, about them. Or why don't you just call out a teams team. and I'll tell you winner or loser? Okay, and then I wanna I wanna have yeah. a little bit of a discussion oh, yeah. about this team. Um Kansas City. So you know. 24th in a run scored last year, but all your hitters are super young other than a Michael A. Taylor. So you choose not to go get any hitters, like literally not sign a single one. You get Jordan Lyles and Ryan Yarbrough for the rotation. What are we doing here, LJ? What's what's the goal here? Because the prospects, there's no one else to come up. This is it. I mean, this is it right here. You got one guy who's top 100. This is pretty much it. What, what's, you know. In my opinion, I put them as a loser, but they were kind of a light loser for me. They were a loser that was originally, I originally had in fringe the winner's column. The only reason they were losers was because I felt like, again, the Twins and the Guardians and teams like that did more. And so they were a loser by default by not doing much. But basically what you have here with this team is I think they've said, okay, this group isn't, you know, mature enough to really start winning games. So let's give them another year. We're going to sit tight. We're going to hold, you know, stand pat. In the meantime, we're going to try to make a couple sneaky moves. There's really only two moves of, or three moves of interest here. You've got Jordan Lyles, 
You got Ryan Yarborough, and you have Nick, Nick Wickbrin on a minor league deal. I kind of I like that. Whoa, I didn't deal. see that. Nick Wickbrin, really? Oh well, also Zach Greinke is a free agent. Correct. I mean, he he hasn't signed anywhere yet. I mean, I don't know if they'd want him. There's got to be something in this rotation for the Royals because I love Brady Singer. I think he's really really good. Lyles had a good year with Baltimore last year. Cody Posey is in AAA. He's hurt. Okay. But he's player on this roster. Bubich, he was Chris Chris Bubich. He was their first round pick in 2018. He'll be back up at some point. So there's guys. I just I don't know. I, I, I don't think know. This was a situation where they realized they weren't ready to do anything, and so they didn't do anything. I don't see a reason to spend money if it's not going to be impactful. And there's no way that they could have brought in a guy who would make this team. So All right. they did what they could with what they had. LJ, Philadelphia, they bring in Trey Turner, but lose Syndergaard, Kyle Gibson, Gene Segura, Zach Eflin, David Robinson, David Robertson, and Chris Davinsky. Net positive or negative here? It's a lot of losses. There. Technically, it's a net negative, but that's it. All depends on whether. Only got Taiwan Walker. Okay. It depends on whether they are looking at this from a this year standpoint or a winning the World Series standpoint, because they've proven that their core is there, right? Now it's about actually building a team that can get back there and be like. A monster and like clearly win it, definitively win it. And you're not going to do that by rolling out the same squad year after year. Has it have we ever seen a team work that way? No. No. Even the Dodgers, even the Astros have changed up so much over the years and they still keep winning. They still keep going to these D- these CSs. You can always improve in baseball. That's why no one will ever and you, win 130 games. It's just not gonna happen. And you keep improving by changing. And so what I see with this group is they did a little bit of pruning. They brought in a great player who, granted, I've always been lower on Trey Turner than the rest of the world, but he definitively is a really, a really great player, a great shortstop. So brought him in. He's there. He's locked up for the future. You're going to have a full, healthy year of, excuse me, you're gonna, when you're ready to contend, you'll have Bryce Harper healthy. Not that you're not contending next year, but like when you're making this World Series push. And I saw this justification partially for this team or looking at this team going forward. This is not a team that's supposed to win next year. This isn't a team that, oh, we're close. We're going to get them next year. This is a team that's building to be an absolute juggernaut maybe two years from now, maybe or maybe a year from now, maybe two years from now. They've got some good prospects. And a big part of that is the fact that I look at, yes, you look at good prospects. couple of them. You, But more so, I'm looking at this being another team that's very much a contender for the third base market mm. this year or next year. Especially now that they let Gene Segura go and they already said, and uh, Miami already said that he's going to be playing third for them. Yeah, what is Alec Bohm doing for you? He's good. My thought process is but... Alec Bohm's good. Alec Bohm's not the spot that I'm moving here. Okay. I'm not re-signing Reese Hoskins. You look at this team, Alec Bohm can play that spot. Nick Castellanos can play that spot. Kyle Schwarber can play that spot. 
you have players who can play first. You save the money on Reese Hoskins, and you go out and you get that stud third baseman. You add a little bit to that. Again, honestly, I think the rotation is fine. You go and you keep adding to this bullpen, and you're going to be in really good shape. I'm not worried about this team, but I'm recognizing this isn't a next year win the World Series type of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, everyone knows that they're them, them making the World Series. It's not a fluke, but it was a surprise, and it's definitely not something that a lot of people expected to happen. Um, but to come in with the expectations that this team, just because they made the World Series, is now supposed to be a perennial contender uh, is silly, just because we we if you watched enough of the Phillies, last year and you saw what they were doing towards the end of the season i mean between them and the brewers they were trying to let each other make it i mean there was huge series those last two weeks and neither team wanted to actually like you know win so we saw what the phillies did in the regular season loved the postseason run of course but at some point get a temporary expectations they were still 14 games behind two separate teams in their own division and that's not even you know talking about what the nl west did this offseason yes the last team that made a miracle run like the phillies did got a world series ring but look where they are now (laughs) yeah they fell apart and they fell apart fast so i don't see any reason they should try to rush things especially again Washington kind of tried to rush things. They tried to make it a back-to-back type of thing. And when you when yes, there's a difference when you're the World Series champion and when you're the runner-up in terms of what you can get away with. You kind of owe it to your fan base to yeah to try to go back to back. And we've seen that cripple a lot of teams, but it's um they're in a good spot. I'm not worried. I'm not, I wouldn't be upset. I'm not worried if I'm a Phillies fan. Are we going to beat around the bush anymore? Or are we going to talk about the Sox? Boston? Losers. Um, yeah, LJ. You know, it, this would be a perfect way to end it. You get your monologue. Actually, let me give my thoughts first about a couple guys. LJ. Can I, can I start because it's not a monologue? It's not a monologue. Okay. So they're just losers. They're just, right. Really. <laughs> it's not a monologue. I, it'll be very short. Okay. I don't care. They are not losers. Or they are losers. For one reason and one reason only, because they botched this Bogart situation so bad by not paying him. And they, I cannot justify this is again, we're talking about my favorite player ever. The, my favorite player I've ever watched, Nender Bogarts, is walking away from my team. And I'm saying I can't give him that contract because I can't justify paying just about anyone for multiple years into their age 41 season, especially an infielder, let alone an infielder. Especially at $28 million or $25 million. You, I can't justify that money. But you know what I could have justified? The 22, 23, over maybe seven, eight years that he probably would have gotten if they'd just paid up last offseason. If they'd just given him a contract in good faith and not tried to screw around. This is exactly what they do. They never go the extra mile. This is the same series of events that started in 1918 that are just continuing to bite us in the ass. And the only reason that we haven't 
kept going and I now realize this is turning into a rant. The only reason we haven't noticed and we haven't complained is because they got smarter. They started making us feel like they cared and more so they were efficient in the way that they played the game and that helped them win. Once they started winning, once they got a World Series, no one, we were willing to overlook all of that, but they've never, this franchise has never gone the extra mile for the fans and for the team. And that's something that kind of, you know, that's just the way it works. If we were to take the Bogart section of this, which you understand what I'm saying, right? That it's not their fault this offseason, it's their fault last offseason. It's yeah. their fault, but just they shouldn't have been in the situation. They shouldn't have put themselves in the situation. I actually kind of like what they did with the rest of this. Yeah. Because our the, the other big loss was um, I was a little bummed out to see Noah Song go under Rule 5. Yeah, he he went to um, Philly. Yeah. He went to Philly. Um, that that could be a blow, especially for a team that's desperately in need of young starting pitchers. Um, not having him around too. Just but, starting pitching in general. Well, mind you, was in the military and stayed for, I think it was like 15 months or like an obscenely long time, remained a top 10 Red Sox pro- prospect on like Sox prospects, which, you know, is one of the more highly regarded team and team specific yeah. prospects readers. They kept him up there. That's how much they re- recognized and respected the talent level this guy had. And then not finding a way on the 40 man now that he's finally back is just, yeah. it could be, that could be a massive blown, blown mistake. But when you look at the rest of this, I, I'm, I'm thrilled with Kenley Jansen. Why am I thrilled with, actually, I'm really, I love that. Yoshida and Jansen, I think are kind of the same story here. Because it makes this team watchable. That's what part of what I'm looking for here is watchability. And I honestly, when I was putting the notes together, I completely glossed over Justin Turner, who could, who's again a fun player a t- to be around. He's not JD, but he's good enough. Wait, can I ask you something? Yes. Uh, so Trevor Story is just going to play shortstop now? Yeah, even though he can't make him throw. From second, he can't. No, he make can make him throw from second. He's oh. one of the best. Honestly, I felt so proud. I felt like I called that. Yeah, because you were like, you kept calling him the second baseman. Yeah, the best second baseman. Yeah, legitimately, he was one of the best defensive second basemen in the league last year. And now the if Red he Sox wasn't overshadowed by Jonathan Scope. And now he's moving back over to short, where he was already struggling to make the throw back in Colorado, and now he's a year farther behind that. So, and he just this, hit thirty. So his hitting stats are only going down from here, right? I mean, long <laughs> yeah. term. It won't be too it's too not a long. Bad contract, yeah. It won't be too too long till Marcelo is up, and that will Remember, solve that problem. Yeah. That will solve the shortstop problem. In the meantime, he's the shortstop. Will he be as efficient and as productive as he was this year? No, no, he will not. But it's fine. But yeah, Turner, solid. More so, Yoshida. This is the first time since well. Since 2019, this team's had a leadoff hitter after they traded both of their leadoff hitters away ahead of the 2020 season. And it's kind of nice to see because believe it or not, Brandon, it's almost like that's necessary. No way. It's almost like you need a guy who can get on base in order to be able to have him. Wait, you didn't like Schwarber at leadoff? Schwarber is the one exception, but he's not a leadoff hitter. 
he just hits first. Like he's not the leadoff hitter. He just hits first and hits home runs first. Like yes. he works. The goal was the goal is Kyle Schwarber. The goal is Kyle from Waltham. He's perfect for any team that can't find the leadoff hitter. He's just okay. We don't have a leadoff hitter, so we'll just go get this guy. And we'll just solve that get problem. like he'll be our number one home run hitter also we're just gonna have him hit first because we need him hitting all the time because we need runs because we don't have a leadoff hitter and we need him seeing fastballs he's an alternative solution to not having he's an alternative to not having a leadoff hitter that's the way i look at kyle schwarber you haven't had one since you traded benny and <laughs> benny in the bets um benny in the bets but yoshida being, yoshida even if it's an overpay, makes the offense a lot more watchable. You're shaking your head a lot here. Brandon. It's 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 not an overpay. I can tell you that no. Really? Okay. Uh, LJ, I mean, come on now. You think I'm gonna be? I'm gonna have something negative to say <laughs> about, about a Japanese player? About a Japanese or Korean player? Now, everyone knows how much I love my Pacific Rim baseball, um, and Yoshida. I mean. The consistency of this man, you're talking 781 games um, in Japan for a 957 OPS. That's really, really good. Um, you know, the, the home run numbers are up there. The on-base percentage is just phenomenal. I mean, a five or sorry, 449 last year. Uh that had that had to have been that the best in, in the MLB, right? There was no one above a 450. Um, he walks a lot. He rarely strikes out. He's got some pop. Um, doesn't steal bases, which you know for a leadoff hitter, a guy that walks. But I mean, he I I don't blame him. He's oh, that's not he's an awesome player. Right, right, and I mean. I think that for a guy that's five foot eight, I mean, he just fits the Boston mold so well. Something about having this short Japanese leadoff hitter that also like hits bombs and hits the ball into the gap. And flat out said this was like one of his top choice destinations to play. And then you look at how much the Red Sox paid him. Like we thought Seiya Suzuki was good. And I I still think he is he's gonna be good. Oh wow, he actually did get a lot too. Say a Suzuki, he got eighty-five million. Okay, so see, I thought Suzuki got way less than that. Okay, so someone that is at least the caliber of say a Suzuki, who I think is going to fit into Boston really well. I like Yoshida, Kenley Jansen's Kenley Jansen. He'll have some very dramatic saves this year. But that's that's the other thing. We're talking about watchability. This is the first time since 2018 that this team's had a closer, except for like a month of um, Brendan Workman. It's nice having a closer, though. I'll tell you it's why. Because, but no, because <laughs> it's nice having one because then even if they screw up, it's like, well, it's solely their fault. When you don't have a closer and you're throwing random guys out there, well, then it's like, well, now it's a whole pitching philosophy problem. Whereas it's like, okay, if, if 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 Kenley Jansen blows a series for you in June, people are just going to be like, well, you know, we played well. 
we just blew a series. You know, he blew a series. If you don't have a closer, the whole narrative changes, and it's like we ain't, we don't have a closer. We're not, you know. And then you, the 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 blame gets all spread out. I mean, the amount of shit Aroldis Chapman took for the Yankees, like probably necessarily, but sometimes definitely unnecessarily, just because he was our closer. It was a lot, you know. So. I like Kelly Jansen. I like Chris Martin a lot too. That was a guy who, LJ, the strikeout to walks, 74 Ks to five walks last year. I mean, what what more could you ask for in, with a setup no. guy? I was sad to see no more uh, Sawamura. Yeah, look, this is just, this is exciting if only because this makes the end of games watchable. And that was part of my issue with trying to turn on Red Sox games by midseason, like when things were going bad, because it was one of those situations where, as you said, even in the last couple of years, you're like, okay, they're going to play well, and then we're going to have to hold on for dear life through the last couple innings because we don't have anyone defined. And the guys that should be defined as setup guys, it's, it's still difficult to be a setup guy. It's still difficult to be in there consistently in the seventh, eighth inning. But the difficulty is way less than being a closer. And so when you get a guy who's clearly made to be a setup guy, like an Adam Adovino, particularly like a Matt Barnes, and you put him out there, it can absolutely cripple a guy. It can cripple, it can ruin careers. You, we've, we've seen two guys in Boston in the last five years just absolutely fall apart after taking too much responsibility as a closer when they shouldn't have had it. Both of those guys are still on this team. But... The point being, we now have a guy who's legitimately meant to be there, made to be there. And all of a sudden, that makes it a situation where, okay, we can watch this team and we can feel comfortable with those late innings. We know if we play well, we're going to have a good shot. Mm. All of a sudden now, we've got a situation where it's like, if we play well at the end of last season, we're still holding on for dear life. Right. (laughs) And then moving forward on that, the last spot, the Corey Kluber, Nathan Eovaldi deal, they got exactly what they wanted because the big issue with them, they were right in the Eovaldi situation until the very end. They didn't want to give that third year on that contract. What did they end up with? They end up with Corey Kluber, who arguably performed better last year than Eovaldi. You look at the FIP. They're they're comparable players. Luber doesn't walk anyone. Yeah, no, I know he doesn't walk anyone. They're comparable players, right? Yeah. And so you're getting the older, a theoretically older version of Nathan Eovaldi for six million less, and you don't have to give him that extra year. That seems, from my front office standpoint, as an absolute win. So and you guys get good. James Paxton, like you get like James Paxton is technically like you signed him now because he didn't play it or he, yeah. But it, it was like one game, right? Like, and yeah. More and more so now that you have legitimate guys in those eighth, ninth innings, you can officially commit to Garrett Whitlock, the Yankees spitting at his eye, told him he was no good. You can officially commit to him being a starter. You can commit to that path. You can set be set on that path, and you can let him develop there. And you know, at some point, you had to just pick. And this is the point where they did pick. He will be a starter for the foreseeable future. And I'm I'm happy with that, as long as they don't screw around with him. But other than that, was there anywhere else we wanted to go? 
Um, uh, I don't. The Padres were nuts giving 11, 11 years to Bogarts. Bogarts. Yeah. Oh, oh, I had my my point on that. I don't know if you saw it was like a TikTok. I think um, there was only one infielder last year or uh, middle infielder last year that was over the age of thirty nine and played trivia time. You know who it was? Like appeared in an MLB game, middle infielder over the age of thirty nine. Well, Robinson Cano. And Bogart's deal goes till he's like 41. 41. So you doesn't, could end up doesn't with. Doesn't theoretical career deal also go until he's 41? Like, yeah. And Trey, Turn, Trey Turner. It's like we could have a lot of Robinson Cano's. We're like, and it's not crazy to say that because Cano's like first part of his career before he got that huge contract from Seattle was like as good as some of these guys, if not better. So it's scary. Absolutely. Um, other than that, um, quick fire here. Yeah, Padres, Astros, Abreu is a great ad, solves, solves their one problem, and it's back into things here. Yeah, Jose Abreu. I mean, I'm, I hate this as a Yankees fan. You're just giving them more. More guys. To Michael just... Brantley and the Astros. And he's just coming back to, like, like, yeah. It feels like the most, like, toxic relationship like toxic high school relationship where they're like fighting at every inconvenience not that they're actually fighting but it's like one of those things where oh we're gonna break up at every minor inconvenience like oh the slightest person gets it becomes available oh we're kicking Michael Bradley to the curb <laughs> oh his contract is up I'm not sure he's worth it it's okay if we let him go and yet every single time they get back together it's so again toxic high school relationship is the perfect way to summarize that they're still the favorites for the west even with everything else that's going on here um but i'm good with that orioles take another big step guardians josh bell finally solves that first base problem he was so good before he got traded to the padres so i um hope that he and as i better. said before they I just like, need guys on offense honestly i mean they I were like so Mike good Zanino, one year six million especially if he can bounce back after a very injured and very unsuccessful 2022. super low risk for the guardians who have made it clear like outside of jose ramirez they're they're just not gonna spend anything and i was surprised to see that josh bell deal i mean I just, well, I just they, know like some of these guys, like they know, Ahmed Rosario. It's gonna suck to watch him walk like after this year. But which, at, like, at the end of the day, they know that they can't be the Pirates. They don't want to be the Pirates either. They know that they've built too good a roster to let it just rot. So they, have, yeah, they find ways to stay competitive. You got to respect that at least. But let's absolutely, stop, let's also stop looking at this team with beer goggles, like. Adding those two guys does not magically make this a great lineup. No. This wasn't even a playoff contending lineup. It was a Solid. World Series contending pitching staff. With an average lineup. With a below average lineup. I mean, they, they scored the 15th most runs in the league, but they had the they had second the worst homers. He yeah. also trying to helm that, Jared. I mean, yeah, but I mean, he's not swinging the bat for a little No, but I don't know. Maybe that's just me. No, it might be. No, you, no, no. A manager can create runs with a roster that's meant. Yeah. If if they have a roster that's meant for that, like they know that they don't have a good lineup and they are realistic with that, you can you can make things work. Um, yeah, I mean, Cardinals need to do more. I'm I'm done with the NL Central. There's nothing in the NL Central that <laughs> excites me anymore. It's just so mid. 
Why the hell is Joey Gallo getting eleven million dollars? Um, well, there's no shift anymore. So, um, can we talk about how the Cardinals getting Contreras is just like a massive upgrade, even though like, yeah, I mean, because like the Yadi or Molina upgrade, the Yadi Molina narrative started to get a little like all right like he's he's just not good anymore guys like so i like Contreras. what are the cubs doing how do you let him walk you couldn't you he's been on the trading block for two years and it's like no lj guess what we're gonna let you walk and you can go to not only a team that's in our division But one that we're one like the top rivalries in all of American sports. Yeah, we're gonna let you walk because you know we could have traded you and got something for you, but no. And now you and your brother are in this. Or, oh yeah, because his because his brother went to the Brewers. Yeah, I'm done. I'm 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 done with the NL Central. Let's, what is there to do? The central momentum though, because the White Sox were also massive losers this year. Even if they, Jerry Reinsdorf sucks. Even if they got Jose Abreu back, they wouldn't get better. Like. Andrew Benintendi's good. Clevenger is mid. Especially compared to what's going on around them. Compared to this Cleveland offseason where they were already really good and then showed up some of their faults, they weren't getting that much better. The Twins got better than the White Sox could have gotten even with a brave. And I, I like him. I struggle to buy into one season from Andrew Benintendi and give him five years. The five years is where I struggle with Andrew Benintendi. Not the money, but the five years. Yeah. Giving him, giving him not the annual value, but the five years is where I struggle. It's such a White Sox move. Like, it, that just looks so right. I don't – do you consider Chicago a big market? I always flip-flop back and forth. I mean, obviously, New York, Boston, Atlanta, and L.A. Is, is, like is Houston a big, a big market? It's starting to be. But, yeah, um, it's got to be right. The Astros make it a mark, make it a big market. I think a, I think a team can make it a big market. No. I I think Chicago is a. I mean, yeah. it, it it it's a big market. Like there's so many okay. people that live in. It's a big market. We're gonna give those are the five. You've got a big if you market. have two teams, it's a big market for sure. So you've got him going to a big market after his last two seasons in a big market failed miserably. Did Benintendi fail miserably? His final year in Boston. I know, but the with the Yankees, he was, was really starting to pick it up, and then he got hurt. I'm telling you. Yeah, but that's that slow start. I'll contend forever that he was just he was just turning the corner, LJ, and that he was he he was about to. <laughs> I'm with you. However, do you have proof that he was just about to turn the corner? Yeah, he was starting to pick it up. He had a hit in. Well, or that was that wasn't in good. ten of his last eleven games before he got hurt. He had a hit. That wasn't a. It's not even good, that impressive, honestly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> for a contact hitter. That wasn't a good estimation there. What I meant was, you have no proof, definitive proof that he was good in that market. You can, oh, yeah, you can no. say he was about to date, but you never saw him get good in New York. He was about he to was be good, faced but. He a lot of criticism in New York, and he's going to get the same thing in Chicago because it's a big market. Can he handle it? Do. Do the White Sox players even take the criticism anymore? Or are all the fans just so mad at the front office and Reinsdorf that they just don't even care? Like, if the players are bad. I mean, I know the fans were really upset to see Jose Abreu leave. 
That guy was he was their best player for like the last seven at least seven years. Um, anything else, LJ? I think we actually covered everything. And it only took yeah. under two hours. Yeah, under two hours. Do we want to break this into two shows or no? We'll, we'll just upload. No, yeah, we'll just upload it. Uh, with one big thing. Um. So next week we'll be coming back with top five, bottom five lineups. We'll be doing that, making that together. Yeah, we'll be doing a whole bunch of stuff this off season. Um, once a week until things start to really get into swing, and then we'll figure it out. In addition, are we good to announce the other thing? The idea. The idea. The idea that Brandon waited like a week here the idea we're going to be starting if you're still listening this if you're yeah, if you're still listening we're going to be starting off our own winer line and with it a segment sipping the sour grapes so if you have any sour grapes about anything baseball related whether it's life related to why, 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 why not why not go ahead look check our twitter i'm going to put it up as soon as the this show is uploaded i will put up the thread for next week go ahead and dump all of your baseball or life-related trauma into this. We would love to be, to give our own life advice, huh? Yes. We could be like the Ryan Rossillo podcast. That's what he does at the end. He talks sports for an hour, and then he takes listener-submitted emails about advice for their life. Let's go for it. Let's sip some sour ribs. Yeah, let's do Next it. The Weiner Line, check us out. LJ, I think we're all set. Thank you all for listening. Check us out. Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and the content will start to be coming out much more consistently. It will be ramping up on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. We also do have a YouTube channel, which um, which we will um, can definitely be posting stuff on there. We have a lot planned for 2023 and for the season. Um, a lot less stress on us but more content for you uh all a listener so we believe that um we should be in good hands but thank you for listening of course we will see you next week see you next week <laughs>